Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the El Artadel Football Podcast. I'm Alex, and I'm joined with my friends Kabir. Hey, okay, guys. What's up? Anirud. Hi, guys. Good to be here. And Ritek. Hey, everyone. Uh, good to have you here. We will be discussing, debating, and concluding who is going to win this year's UEFA Champions League. El Artadel Football is a team of researchers and journalists who do all the research in the world. So this is the podcast about the Champions League, the only one you need to listen to. Look no further, this is all the knowledge you will get. And this is the absolute breakdown. And hopefully we will predict the winners at the end of this podcast. We've all picked a team each and we're going to go through them and debate who we reckon will win. So it's all about the best argument all of us can put forward. I believe we're going to firstly start off with Anirud. Uh, what team have you chosen, mate? Uh, I've gone to City. I know technically on paper, uh, if you go back and look through the records, they don't really have the best uh, history. But uh, if you look at the season's competition, it would appear that all the stars are kind of aligned for them. Because uh, in past seasons, City have tended to generally struggle in away legs. Pep, Pep's lack of pragmatism cost them. And right now, the way it's set up, a 2-1 lead taking from Madrid, in addition to single-leg ties, I think it plays perfectly in the City's hands. How, uh, to what extent do you feel that um, City's current roster will really be able to meet with any challenges? Because we've seen that in the restart, they've been ruthless when they wanted to be, but have struggled from almost inexplicable losses. I mean, uh, one of the first that comes to mind is the 1-0 loss versus Southampton and the other one would be the one versus Arsenal. So where do you kind of see, you know, Pep having the roster, having the tactics and having the stars aligned? Where do you think, like from a very practical point, does the City's plan really fall apart? And do you think that there are teams in this competition right now that can really, you know, exploit some of those weaknesses? So, I think going back to the Southampton game, uh, City post-restart were probably the team with the least to play for. They were going to finish second no matter what. Uh, so, for them to come back post-restart and play the way they have, I think, has been great to watch. And the Southampton game, if you go back and look at, City were probably unlucky to lose that one because they could have easily scored three or four that night. It just, you know, a lot of unfortunate finishing, very good defending and a combination of things. I think the Arsenal game probably was more telling. City looked quite toothless in attack. Even though they were creating chances, it didn't, you weren't very convinced by the way they were playing. But I think on the whole, if you look at City, the way they've dismantled teams, uh, Liverpool getting thrashed 4-0, uh, in general, the way they put away Arsenal the first time post-restart, they've looked good. And City's one of their biggest issues is, outside of their first 15-16 players, they don't really have a lot of players that they don't do. Uh, so right now, when you're having one-leg ties and in a neutral stadium, it comes down to pure footballing ability of those 15-16 players. I think on paper, City probably have the best 15-16 players out of anybody in the competition. Yeah, I think anybody, if they have you know a solid roster of 15 players, would be jumping at joy. Like that, 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 that's all it takes. That's all it takes. You can you can get by with having like two or three ordinary players, but. I think it, it, it's all been clicking for City. And uh, just as, I mean, it, it's hard to see it as a United fan. But, um, you know, a small part of me always wants and always wants and um, always might want an English team to do well. But, uh, you know, I, I, I agree with you on many points. I, I see City, you know, really benefiting from this one leg tie. 
their their problems this season has of course been with injuries and now heading into the final stretch of the season is when they finally got uh, their full roster of players fully fit and firing uh and uh, like uh, anirudh mentioned their attack i think the attack is very important in the champions league i think in in league competitions defense plays a bit more of a role in uh, ensuring consistency but uh, in one off games uh, and in uh, ties in knockout ties i think their attack can blow away anyone as you see so that is a really is a, it really plays into their hands so yeah, i do have a criticism of it and it is one that i think we brought up so Every year we always hear about Pep Guardiola's UCL curse and he hasn't reached the final since I believe 2011 with either Bayern Munich or City. Uh, if they had been banned from the Champions League, then there would have been pressure on this year which is probably could have paid off well, you know, it's that this is our year we have to win this. But do you think without that added pressure and we have to consider they still have a second leg tie against Real Madrid that could easily be lost by a really good Madrid side? Do we still think that this year could be the one that they break it and that that's they break both Pep's recent troubles with it and Manchester City's curse? Um going back to the way you know uh, City have lost or Pep seemed to have lost over the last 3 years. If you look at it specifically, it's been lost over three really poor impractical away legs. The 5-3 against Monaco, which to be honest, they never really should have lost, letting in those goals away from home was criminal. Uh The 3-0 against Anfield was just a 30-minute onslaught that, again, they couldn't cope with. And last year, the whole new White Hart Lane and that whole uh, war, war confusion at the end was just pretty much summing City up in the sense that they lack conviction away from home. And they're not, maybe the mentality or the, or the team doesn't particularly fare well. But right now, going to a neutral venue... over a single leg when it comes down to just pure footballing ability over pragmatism or you know setting a team up to ensure you don't get beat away from home works perfectly well plus the return of laporte is very underrated i feel like a lot of people aren't mentioning that him back basically makes the one who plays next to him whether it be otamendi stones garcia fernandinho look like a center half and he gets that whole team in order that whole team playing much more solidly and compactly at the back So I feel like we've got to factor in the fact that at least from City's curse point of view, it might have been the away legs, and we've sort of done away with those. Whether Pep will be able to break his curse remains to be seen. Uh, I still think he could obviously face a few landmines if he plays the likes of Atletico, a side that doesn't like to be broken down. But apart from that, it seems hard to find holes in this City side if you're looking at them on paper. in a venue where it's going to come down to football versus football as opposed to mind games and pragmatism one last question over it is one that will be looming so with Leroy Sané he will not be playing in the CCL will he for Manchester City Sané not playing for City i mean obviously is a big blow but you need to recognize the fact that they've gone deep in this not deep but they've gone through the stages of this competition without sane services and foden's been playing on that left hand side whenever sterling's been rotated and he's done a fantastic job so i agree there is a little bit of a lack of depth in the sense that you do have mares and sterling on the right and left but bernardo has been kind of off it and foden is still rather inexperienced but there uh, there are rumors that aguero might just make him back for the latter stages he he was uh, reportedly going to be a month out with injury 
So I'm not sure whether Aguero will be back in time. But if you have Aguero back, that essentially allows you to have Jesus wide left as well. And I mean, I wouldn't personally want to be facing a side with Agu- like you see the number of chances City create, and there's a reason that they sometimes underperform their xG. And I personally believe that's down to Aguero not playing. He's arguably their best finisher, arguably the best striker in the Premier League even right now with his age. And if he comes back in, I don't think they're particularly going to miss Sane or anybody else not be part of that front three. Anyone else got any questions about City? You know, again, with City, it's anything can happen on a given day in football. And that that sort of paradigm affects City in a lot in a lot of other ways. But I, I really want to hammer home Anirudh's earlier point on Imeric Laporta. And City's attack has, has made do without Leroy Sane. Had Sane been there this season fit, you know, could have posed a bigger chance for Liverpool. But not having, you know, a figure like company or not having a defenders of the ilk of Laporte has really hurt City. They've had to play midfielders in defence. You know, John Stones just hasn't looked like a a proper Premier League caliber, Premier League winning team caliber player. Otamendi's looked off the boil. Um, that the the defensive addition of Laporte is 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 massive. I, yeah, and I read, I just want to agree with that point. Um, and it's it, it it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see whether City can, like a, first get past Real Madrid and then be just hammer home, kill the matches off quickly and you know take it from there. Really, really strong start. I think City have been put forward in a really good argument. But I think it's now time to go to an equally strong team and Kabir. I believe you've chosen Bayern Munich, haven't you? So, uh, just to touch upon Bayern Munich, I think it's uh, th- there's there's no surprise that they are the favourites uh, to uh, complete their treble and uh, win their first Champions League since uh, 2013. Uh, and it's down to uh, the Hansi Flick uh, revolution that is not so much of a revolution, really. He's just stuck to the basics and he's made use of a very good squad at his disposal um, and he's just sort of uh, like he's he's uh, uh, helped their play, helped the players rediscover their form, and he's got a very good uh, balance between youth and experience. Of course, everyone's going to be talking about uh, Robert Lewandowski, who we all can agree has been robbed of a Ballon d'Or uh, this season with all his goals. I think he's he's crossed 50 goals for the season. But also the fact that uh, how he's managed to get the, some of the other old guards back to their best. Uh, I think Neuer is once again in the conversation for the best goalkeeper in the world. They've got a great uh, mix between experience. The guys who have already won their last treble with them, like uh, Muller and Boateng and Neuer, and uh, the youth that has come through uh, and uh, stepped up for them, like Kimmich and Pavard and Alfonso Davies, who was the rookie of the season in the Bundesliga. So, they've got everything going for them. They've got a really balanced team and um, by sticking to the basics, uh, like I said before, and C-Flick has just made them a winning machine, a juggernaut, really. I do have to say for Bayern Munich, I will come to uh, you guys in a second, but I've got a little notebook in front of me and I went through City, Bayern and Atletico and I was trying to write their weaknesses. So, City and Atletico... Um, it, it was a list of negatives. Bayern, it started with, haven't won for a long time, relatively untested against top opposition, but then 
have got a winner mentality. Lewandowski has been immense. Müller has been absolutely incredible this season. So in my head, I'm already thinking Bayern Munich may be our favourites. But has anybody else got any criticisms to prove us wrong? I mean, I, I think what happens with Bayern always is it's not just the argument of you know not playing top quality opposition game in and game out. But now we've got the added thing of, well, they pretty much wrapped up the Bundesliga with, I think, four or five games to go. Primarily because Dortmund um, predictably uh, choked, uh, which is a sad sight for any neutral. But it's it's almost like they might be off the boil. It's 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 the age-old argument of Bayern Munich. They win the league easily, and they feel like they can t- they've taken that foot off the pedal a bit. Uh, I think what's going to be important for Bayern to know is that they'll have to take every single match as a final. Bayern Munich do very well when they reach the finals of any tournament. It's I think the only time they I can remember them losing a final in the recent past was, uh, I believe they lost to, uh, did they lose to Eintracht Frankfurt in the uh, German Cup two seasons ago in the final? Yeah. yeah. I think, I think yeah. barring that, it, I, it's very hard for me to remember a Bayern side that have lost a final. But getting there is, is another thing of, you know, you have to just be at it. And this, is, this, this goes for every team, be at it at every game. Bayern Munich have lost out, you know, on things like away goals. Uh, they've lost out by losing steam in the second leg, as we saw versus Liverpool last season. Uh, you know, to Anirudh's point, this this um, single-legged ties might work in their favor. But with Bayern, the whole thing is is the whether or not the you know the space between Joshua Kimmich and the centre backs if that can really be exploited. Effectively, especially with high-caliber attackers you've got in uh, teams like uh, Real Madrid, in teams like Barcelona, and, and and yes, I still I still consider Barcelona's attack highly effective, regardless of whatever be, whatever has been going on. But um, I think there are gaps and spaces to exploit. Yes, that attack has been good, but it's that transition from midfield to defense. Uh, Jerome Boateng has looked a bit, a bit like his older self, but you have to uh, have to also realize he is he is now an older player as well. Um, you know, he's still not he's still not that fast, and every team will be smelling blood if in these single leg ties. Like every match is going to be a knockout match. There's going to be no tactics to be played with away goals or you know defending deep. Uh, so it could work in their favor and could not work in their favor. I just hope they're on the boil from the from the first whistle. Kabir, what do you what, what do you think? Do you think that Bayern have what it takes to get to the final this year? I mean, we do have to consider they have got arguably the stronger run to the final. They will have to play uh, in the quarters either Napoli or Barcelona. And while Barcelona struggled this season, Lionel Messi against any opposition in a tournament like this is quite damaging. And then after that, they will have to play either Juventus, probably not Leon, but you never know, City or Real Madrid. And all of those teams will have the star quality that could be needed to, like Ritek said, exploit the space between Kimmich and the defence. And if they can do that, it might unsettle them. But do you think Bayern have what it takes to beat these incredibly high-caliber sides? I think that actually helps them. Because that's the beauty of the Champions League. You have to beat the best to be the best. Uh, I think if you look at uh, the last couple of winners, Liverpool's run to the final last year, sure, certainly wasn't easy. 
the same with real madrid the year before that or in any of their champions league wins you so that's the thing uh, when you have to play the best in europe you have to beat the best so i, I and and to touch upon the uh, point that rithik mentioned about the gaps between uh, their defense i think uh, flick has done a really smart thing in reinventing alaba as a center back uh because he essentially covers the left side uh, which uh, davies often uh, vacates when he's bombing up the flank and kimich very smartly drops into that half space to almost be a partner to boateng uh, mm-hmm. and of course we will see that tested a lot more and they will be under a lot more duress when they won't have as much possession as they had in uh, germany uh, but i think they're a very well oiled machine and they've got a lot of different options i think they can play a 4231 a 433 with goretzka coming in instead of komar for more bodies in midfield so they've got a lot of different answers i think to a lot of different problems that was a very good point actually about the teams that the previous winners we've had to face and consider that actually and we do have to say that bayern munich have probably one of the best strikers in the world if not the best lewandowski has scored an immense 11 goals and he has had two assists in this year's Champions League which is only from around eight games but if there is one team that could possibly block him out i believe it's the one of retex and that is atletico atletico madrid am i correct yes um atletico madrid is a very interesting study at least for this season uh, at the start of the season there were huge question marks over simeone's rebuild now when when you think of, when you hear atletico or if you've you know been watching uh football european football for the better part of the last decade um it's it's been simeone grafting you know certain core of players and really just playing them and playing them and playing them them knowing the expectation them knowing what they have to deliver it's it's an unattractive but effective style of football and in the beginning of the la liga season you were seeing you know the difficulties in integrating some of the new players they spent a lot of money on uh, Jao Felix they took a big you know they've taken some big gambles keeping Diego Costa on uh there have uh they had high profile exits uh, you know they lost a leader in Godin they lost a leader they lost a very strong midfield presence in Rodri um so you know it it didn't it didn't look good for Atletico going on but the first and to, to just take um our listeners back to the start of the uh group stages where uh atleti faced juventus and you know this was supposed to be a you know how would you have it a, a pretty straightforward win for juvent uh, for juventus given the form that atletico were on in that uh, game but they came down from 2-0 down to tie to all and they nearly had it savage and herrera both contributed and this has been you know an evolving team with atletico madrid's season is the team coming together you know unlike say Barcelona or a Bayern Munich um the goals and the assists kind of come in a little bit of everywhere you Atletico have some of the most diverse goal scorers in the Champions League so far they've had Savic Herrera uh Morata uh, Diego Costa um I think uh Felipe uh and Llorente all scoring um so the goals can come from anywhere Simeone can rely on people to get them um uh, and i think a lot of the some of the players who do get overlooked while you know Saul Niguez has been good Rodri i mean sorry uh, Thomas Partey has really taken the ball by the horns you know players like 
the old guard like Koke are really proving their worth, you know, time and time again. Um, and it's it's no surprise if anybody's been following the La Liga, Atletico have the second best form since uh, in the post-COVID period. They haven't lost a game, and I believe they've won uh, seven out of the last 11 games, including a contentious two-all draw with Barcelona, which I don't think they were very much the second best team, but it just showed you how Simeone has a tactical plan and he'll graft all the players to be around those tactics. Now, when it comes to the Champions League, the one thing we know is that Atletico Madrid are a hard team to defeat. It's, it's, it's just been the way um, for you know the better part of the last decade. Simeone has actually managed to get them to two finals and he was in a whisker away of winning one of them. Um, he knows how to get there. I think that's the main argument is he knows how to get there. The main question marks, and there are a lot of question marks around Atletico. I'd argue that they're the weakest of um, our three is that they don't have the experienced players to maybe take it beyond. They can take the horse to water, but they can't proverbially make it drink. Uh, now, where I see positive, where I see positive signs are, you know, they knocked out they knocked out the cha- the the reigning champions in the round of sixteen. They were not favored. Uh, let's be honest, they were not favored to go through, and and they clinched and they clinched a ninety seventh minute you know equalizer at the death. Uh, because they just didn't rela- they just didn't stop they didn't didn't get rolled over they kept going kept going kept going till the final whistle and they broke and they and they essentially broke Liverpool down by the end of it I believe you know that his ta- his tactics are unattractive his football is, style is panned by a lot of people but it gets the job done Atletico Madrid were nowhere near the cha- uh, you know the being in the top three the top four you know about two weeks before the pandemic. And now they're, you know, they're locked third. And even though Sevilla had a very good run post-pandemic as well, you know, Atletico finished the season third. They finish it, you know, where they should be. And I think it's a testament to Simeone's tactical, tactical, um, you know, workout for a variety of different teams. Simeone knows how to play against different teams because he'll set his team up the way he likes it. He won't have it, you know, constantly rejig against the opposition. He knows who his players are. He knows what his system is. He knows what everyone's capable of. And he'll, he'll, he'll go out there and get his players to play that. Um, so I think, you know, given, given that they're playing a very attacking team in uh, RB Leipzig in the quarterfinals, uh, it's going to definitely be a test for Simeone, but I think it's a test that he will overcome properly because it's a single leg tie. Remember, they've already faced uh, Liverpool in the round of 16. Um, this match against RB Leipzig is going to be a single leg tie. And, you know, going ahead, the semi-final will be, you know, a very difficult one for Atleti to negate. But, but uh, I, I, believe, I believe that if Atleti can make it past Leipzig and have a very, you know, dogged showing in the semi-final... I believe that they can take it, you know, all the way. It's been a story of recovery. It's been a story of, you know, more. It's been a story of an upward trajectory. Uh, let's just hope it's not a bell curve and it just goes down in the same way it went up. Uh, but I think Atleti are always the proverbial dark horses, the perennial dark horses for any, um, you know, UEFA tournament. But I believe I think they have just that extra bit of grit, graft, and you know, presence to really trouble every other team because they're very hard to beat. They might not, they might, they might not win easily, 
but they will make it hard for anybody else to defeat them. I do have a little trick up my sleeve. So, as you mentioned uh, through that about Atletico and reaching two Champions League finals, Simeone, like on paper, or at least to most of us, and I think a lot of listeners, he does show a he does show that he can get to these finals. However, I did have a little bit of look into it, and there is one thing that makes me worry about Atletico. So, there is only one real sort of comparison to the Champions League in Spain, and that is the Copa del Rey. And it may be interesting to know that Atletico, since they won it in 2013, they've never made it past the semi-finals or the quarterfinals, and it's usually a mishmash of making it past both of them. So, Ritek, do you think that they do have it what it takes to get past uh, some talented teams in terms of Leipzig, Atalanta and PSG? They'll be very attacking ones. But do you think that they do have what it takes to get past these ones, despite perhaps that Copa del Rey form? I do have a little trick up my sleeve. So, as you mentioned uh, through that about Atletico and reaching two Champions League finals, Simeone, like on paper, or at least to most of us, and I think a lot of listeners, he does show a, he, do, he does show that he can get to these finals. However, I did have a little bit of look into it, and there is one thing that makes me worry about Atletico. So... There is only one real sort of comparison to the Champions League in Spain, and that is the Copa del Rey. And it may be interesting to know that Atletico, since they won it in 2013, they've never made it past the semi-finals or the quarterfinals, and it's usually a mishmash of making it past both of them. So, Ritek, do you think that they do have it what it takes to get past uh some talented teams in terms of Leipzig, Atalanta and PSG, they'll be very attacking ones. But do you think that they do have what it takes to get past these ones, despite perhaps that Copa del Rey form? That is a very interesting question. And I think it also ties into this greater thing of the Champions League being a post-league tournament. I think a lot of existing preconceptions of tactics, plays and approach are thrown out of the window. Uh, because you have to know that, you know, if Atleti were playing these Champions League games at the regular time, if we lived in this utopian world where COVID didn't happen, you know, they'd be playing these games alongside alongside all their other La Liga games. But since they're not, and since they've, they'll have, you know, a bit more extra rest time versus, say, you know, um, I think at least less two or three games left, um, it, 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 it's going to be different. So to basically answer your question in a roundabout way is that, um, yes, you know, the Copa del Rey is a tournament where they haven't done well in the recent past. And it, it, it's been down to them. Um, it's been down to a lot of individual errors. Um, I think traditional logic, timing, all goes out of the window. Um, Atleti are, 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 have been an immensely unpredictable side this season. Um, I think uh, predictions pre-COVID and performance post-COVID was was something nobody could account for, uh, and I think, I think Atletico are the kind of team that would really benefit from this, you know, change of scenery. Uh, they can really, they can really just, you know, graft out that one leg win. Atletico are the masters of, you know, going like getting it out in two legs. So my biggest worry will be, you know, will the one leg affect them in a in another in 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 a, in a roundabout way? Because Simeone is known to play both legs you know, as their own individual chess pieces. But yeah, especially against attacking teams like Atlanta or PSG, they're going to be coming at them left, right, center, left, right, center, left, right, center. 
but I believe Atletico's defense is amazing. I really, really believe their defense is amazing. Renan Lori has been exactly what they needed post Felipe Luis. You know, a long-term left back leaving them. He has been fantastic. The combinations of uh, Jose Maria Jimenez, uh, Stefan Savage, been really good. And I think the the biggest surprise for Atletico and the biggest surprise for a lot of um, English fans has been how well Kian Trippier has fit into Atletico. He's fit in very well. He Simeone knows how to use him. He knows how to find people, um, and he seems he seems he seems like a player reborn. And um, I think that defense is amazing. Um, where their attack might be a little toothless in terms of consistency, their midfield is mobile, tireless. Uh, their their play from the wings can either be you know um, inverted or down the flanks. I think they have a defense to cope with any attack. Before I continues, any any of you guys got any other criticism to Atletico? I'd like to start off by saying, I think Atletico over the last four to five years, predominantly in the Champions League, have grinded their way through these tournaments through their home form. And their away form has been their Achilles heel. Whether it be Ronaldo coming back to get a hat-trick last year and knock them out, whether it be Madrid going 3-0 up in the semis two years ago before knocking them out, even... For them to get past Leicester in 2016-17 was down to them nicking a 1-0 home win and then drawing 1-1 away. So, I agree they did a really good job on Liverpool. I feel personally they were the best equipped to deal with Liverpool because of the way their system sets up in the sense that they really blocked out Trent and Robertson's output from the wide areas really well. But when it comes down to a single leg tie of pure quality of player and Simeone can't really get his team to sit behind the ball in an away fixture and then try to and then change his approach a little bit for the home fixture. I think that takes away a lot of Atletico's strength in the sense that when it comes down to one leg and it's purely on footballing ability and a little bit less on the side of pragmatism or parking the bus or anything of the sort, I think then you start to maybe fancy the more attacking teams. Like Leipzig could easily nick a goal or two against Atletico in a neutral venue versus Atletico maybe taking a 1-0 and then just defending for their lives in Leipzig. I personally believe it'll be a lot harder for them this season, especially when you take away their advantage at the Calderon. I saw, like, vaguely alluded to this, um, is whether or not this, you know, the single leg tie would affect them in any way. I think it, 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 it's very good to try and play, you know, try and play the pundit and try and play the predictor. But I think what's, what's, what it's all going to come down to is that these single-leg neutral venue games are just going to be exciting and unpredictable. Um, and I feel when there's an air of unpredictability, um, I feel that's, that, that, that's where a lot of Atletico's you know, form can really help them. Because they were, weaker, they, they were in a weak position when they beat Liverpool last time. But they pulled out a surprise. And obviously, not having the Calderon, not having... And I don't believe it's the Calderon anymore. I believe it's the, it's the Wanda Metropolitana. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, still, it's, still, it's still an intimidating atmosphere, and they don't have that. But Atletico have shown that they don't need a crowd to perform. Their, 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 their form in the last couple of weeks has been, you know, just solid. It's fair to say, with an air of unpredictability, Atletico do tend to thrive. I think we can all agree on that. Simeone's teams always seem to manage that, especially with the Liverpool game. However, they will be facing the team that I am vouching for, which is Paris Saint-Germain. Now, before I go into their positives, there are a lot of 
negatives that I need to get out of the way. This is partly because I've written an entire article um, saying why they won't win the Champions League, if you find that on a lot of the football. PSG have probably the worst preparation possible for this year's competition. That's besides Kylian Mbappe getting injured last night in the Coupe de la Ligue final against San Etienne. I need to talk to you to, about some facts about their COVID preparation. So the average footballer will have an off-season every year of four to six weeks. This will be without team training. They can train by themselves. However, as we saw with Eden Hazard, sometimes they don't do that. So it's really up to the individual. It's four to six weeks. PSG have had three months without first-team training. They were in lockdown for three months from mid-March to mid-June, the 22nd of June. When they kick a ball against Atalanta, if you forget the Coupe de la Liga at San Etienne, who have been awful this season, it would have been nearly six months since competitive football. So already, these are some big hurdles for PSG to overcome, and it might write them off for a lot of people. However, I'm going to try and do a job to quickly overcome those fears. So first of all, let's get the elephant out of the room. Mbappe was injured last night with an ankle injury. However, early tests will show nothing is broken. The signs are good, and it looks like he should be ready for the Champions League. However, obviously, the facts could change on the release of this podcast. But I do think PSG, if they are going to have a year to win, it will be this year. I have spoken a lot about Guardiola's uh, Champions League curse. We've discussed Bayern Munich not quite getting through, and Atletico not getting through. PSG, are, you know, they, they birthed the Champions League curse. They've never got to the semi-final. They consistently struggle at the quarters. But they have the easier tyre this, uh, the easier tyres this year. And this is going to be very important for them. So for people who don't watch a lot of French football, um, they will be interested to know how PSG have even fit their world-class players into a team. We're thinking Neymar, Icardi, uh, Mbappe, how, how, Andy Maria. How are they going to get all of these players in? And Thomas Tuchel finally found a tactical system that has kept that and also solidified the back. What PSG do at the moment is line up in a 4 triple 2 If you've ever played FIFA and you're thinking of that formation, it's exactly like that. They'll have a combination of Marquinhos, Leonardo Paredes, uh, Itzvisa Gay and Marco Verratti in the centre defensive midfielder positions. And in the attacking midfielders, the wide attacking midfielders that like to play in the half space, they'll have Neymar, and Di Maria. This lets them have all the freedom of the pitch and completely roam around. And up front, you've got Mbappe. He will try and stretch the fence, getting in behind Icardi as a sort of target man. Now, with PSG and this formation this year, they have played 15 games in the Liga and the Champions League, and they haven't lost once. They have absolutely demolished all teams. And we will be thinking of when they lost to Dortmund. That was a mistake they needed to make, and it was purely based off a formational one. Going into the game, Tuchel clearly was apprehensive towards an attack of uh, Haaland and Sancho. So what he did, he lined up in a 4-3-3. And anyone who watched the game will remember a massive disconnect between the front three of Di Maria, Mbappe and Neymar and their midfield. It was as if there was about 40 yards between them and they just couldn't connect any passes to them. In the second leg, they lined up with a 4-2-2. However, in defence, it kind of went into a 4-2, like a Fletico. And with that, that's how they managed to ultimately destroyed Dortmund. They limited Dortmund to just two shots on target, despite only fielding two proper midfielders. And they obviously managed to obliterate them in an attack. And obviously the, the, the sending off for Dortmund later in the second half did help PSG. 
but it was a really good sign for Tuchel. And the fact they'll only play Atalanta, Leipzig or Atletico Madrid, all of these teams who will be treating PSG as favourites, especially, especially Atletico, who will give PSG the majority of possession, this is what Neymar will enjoy. And he has got a gr- he has been in great form this season. In 15 league and appearances, he's got 13 goals and six assists. Obviously, people tend to write off league and, but it's been a strong league this year and he's performed really well. And the USO has got three goals and two assists. And provided Mbappe comes back, this is the big thing. Mbappe has got nine goal contributions this season. I believe that's probably only second to Robert Lewandowski. And in the competition as a whole, after eight games, they've scored 20 goals. Now, I do think this is the year, just to wrap it up pretty quickly for you guys to surely fire a lot of shots at this. This is the year for them. Neymar's recently spoken out and said he wants to make something special happen this year. He wants to make it happen this August. And I think this is now their time. Their friendlies have been positive. They demolished Le Havre 9-0. They beat San Etienne 1-0 in the Coupe de la Ligue. And provided Mbappe comes back, provided they can field their preferred eleven then they are going to be the team to beat this year. Uh, so, I personally think PSG probably have two out of the best five outfield players in the world right now, Neymar and Mbappe. And they've definitely shown us what they can do. And uh, since you're saying Mbappe, the high chance Mbappe will be fit. My only concern comes from the fact that uh, PSG generally, like you said, tend to bottle games. Like we saw what they did against United, Barcelona in the last few seasons. But the bigger concern is from the fact that PSG would not have kicked a football competitively since last night for about three and a half months. Whilst Atlanta are going really deep. I mean, they're going deep in the Serie A for I think they have another week of football left or maybe a little bit more. And this Atlanta side, uh, while people might be looking at PSG as the favourites, have been obliterating teams in the Serie A. They've been getting some big results. And uh, if you look at the Atlanta expected goals system and expected points, they would they would actually be a lot closer to Juventus than they actually are right now. So when you look at and if they do get past Atlanta, the next one is again if Atletico do beat Leipzig, another team that would not uh, would have played a lot more competitive football off late than uh, than PSG. So like Bayern Munich with PSG, uh, the fact that they haven't kicked the football for a long period of time, coming up against teams that have had a lot of competitive football, like we've seen in the Premier League how much time it's taken for teams to come up to speed with this. Like apart from Manchester City, I don't think anybody else came straight into the Premier League and, you know, went at it from the get-go. So my concerns would be, where do you think PSG will be when it comes to a team that has been playing over the last four to five weeks of consistent football every three days and their bodies are operating at 100%, whereas your Neymars and Mbappe have just been getting a couple of friendlies under their belt. And in addition to PSG already being much much the favoured team in those friendlies, what do you think they do when they're under the cosh or when they're, you know, really up against it, against one of these sides? So that is the strongest point against PSG. Uh, I completely agree. The lack of football is very worrying. And uh, like you compare to Bayern Munich, it's probably the only worry for them, but it's a big one. But what fills me with confidence, some confidence at least, is that Tuchel has clearly been the best manager they've had for a long time, which makes me believe that he, if anybody's going to be able to prepare well, it will be him. And also, 
it's the fact that PSG have actually made the best possible way they can out of their horrible setup on paper. They have filled July with friendlies. They've already played three games in the past, I believe it's three weeks. So Le Havre, Celtic and the Coupe de la Ligue. And particularly against Le Havre, a lot of teams will write them off. A lot of, I'm sure not many of you guys know about them, but they are the team that brought the world Paul Pogba, Riyad Mahrez and countless other top, top French professionals. They're not a team to be laughed at. In the same way that Celtic are. They, they, yes, yeah. And they're both very strong teams. So the fact that you'd be able to beat them 9-0, it doesn't, it doesn't make me think, OK, now PSG are the sharpest team out there. But it doesn't mean that they're going into these games sleepwalking. They're still preparing quite well. And that actually makes you think they have the edge over Bayern. Because when I was doing the research for the piece, over how these teams who haven't got no game time are preparing, Bayern Munich players have gone on a two-week holiday following their DFL Pokal final. Only Nicolas Sula stayed behind to train. And they have, I believe, no friendly scheduled between the start of July and their first UCL game, which will be the return leg against Chelsea at uh, Stamford Bridge. So, in a way, you could argue PSG going into this game more, like possibly more sharper than Bayern. That's quite an argument to make. And it will be proven right or wrong when they do face Atalanta. But we will have to see. I've got strong hopes. To, uh, to touch upon Bayern again, uh, because they're my pick, so I have to defend them on this. Uh, they they will have that game against uh, Chelsea, which is essentially a free hit, if you think about it. And uh, that would it's a it it's not quite a friendly, but it's not a really competitive high stakes game either. So it allows them to get back into shape. I think just as well as PSG, if not better. I think that's a very important point to prove is how Bayern will approach that because. The earliest that um, PSG can meet a team like Bayern will be the final, theoretically, as the way it's going. But I think the main thing to acknowledge with PSG is they've got a fit Neymar. Neymar is a high, high, high caliber player. He's been, he's had his struggles with injuries. And it's not just on his day he's good. If he's fit, he is amazing. He will cut teams apart. He can play in from the center. He can come in from the left like he usually does. And it, the, the proverbial meme is gone. This is not March anymore. They're playing these knockout stages much later. <laughs> and I think that Neymar is the X factor. And Tuchel has used him, you know, well. And he, his output has been encouraging. And if, if you know, Kylian Mbappe isn't fit for the first, isn't fit, you know, for this game, I think they can, they can really eke out, um, you know, a victory if they, whoever they play. Um, Atletico will be very difficult because they're defensively amazingly solid. But um, I think PSG, have, as, as, as you mentioned with the 4-2-2-2, um, is, is, is a system that allows for tactical flexibility um, when they don't have the ball and allows for you know, great attacking play when they come up front. Because Mauro Icardi is, is, has had a good season for PSG. He's been a very good transfer for them. He's you know, completely stepped in where Edison Cavani left off and he's provided... Um, you know, a fair few goals. And he, he is a striker of, you know, a high caliber when it comes to finishing and comes to in-the-box in uh, positioning. Um, he's that type of, uh, he's that type of forward. And I believe that Neymar, I, like Neymar is the X factor in this team. And PSG do have depth. So I think there are a lot of positive arguments to be made. Um, but again, the litmus test will be this At- Atalanta game. 
because Atalanta will be a team that will come in with more form, but will also come in with a little bit more tiredness. Because um, I, th- I believe the Serie A is ending later than all the other leagues. So I think it, 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 it's going to be a big litmus test, but you know, it, it, might be, it might be one that they will need. It, it's a right team in the right match at the right time. Before we do uh, proceed on this, I feel like the difference between a Bayern Munich and PSG with respect to their uh, rest time is the fact that even though Bayern have taken a two-week holiday, Bayern don't have the mental block of not making it far in the Champions League. I mean, they could go for an Oktoberfest celebration and turn up the next day and beat Dortmund, as they've shown us. So, I feel like Bayern Munich, uh, the rest will not play as much of a factor as it will for PSG. Because PSG, uh, not only will they have players that haven't been tested over the last three months, but they also have the mental block of not making it far. Whereas a lot of these Bayern players are Champions League winners. A lot of these Bayern players are multiple Bundesliga winners. So I think that also comes into the question when you're comparing their lack of uh, game time in the last three weeks to a month. It is. It's true. Atalanta will be the litmus test. And before we proceed to who we think will win this, see if we've agreed on anything, it's fair to note that PSG have lost Edson Cavani and Thomas Munier. They will both not be playing for this year's competition. They've both left their contracts in June. So that is another thing that will be hanging on to them. And now we will go around to all of us and see who we now think will win it. I'm going to start with myself. After hearing all of your guys' arguments, especially against PSG and for Bayern Munich, as much as I like to go with my French Liga and loving heart part, I believe you've convinced me and I think Bayern Munich do actually have what it takes. If I'm, I was a betting man... If I was a betting man, I would go for Bayern Munich. So, you've convinced me well on that one, Kavir. Uh, let's go to Ritek. Have you changed your mind? Do you think Atletico still? Or are you thinking someone else now? I think Atletico could banter their way into the final. I think they're just, just a, such a wild card. I don't think teams will prepare. However, I will go to, um, you know, uh, could be, I will go to the uh, Man City pick. Uh, because... and. This is going to sound very strange. It's, it, it, it's because of Pep and it's because of this tactical one-legged knockout tie. I think they have it. I think they have it within them to um, see, see, like, see this Real game through. I think the, the goal advantage is, is sizable and it's not something that's going to be underestimated. Um, it's, it's just about you know, whether Real can control Kevin De Bruyne and I don't think they can. Um, I think City have it within them to win it because the monkey, I, I, I think the, the monkey's off their back. You know, they've got such a positive boost from this uh, very, very controversial um, cast ruling. Um, and it's put them in a very good mental state right now. They're in form. They have players firing. The goals are coming uh, defensively. You know, I think with the personnel that they have, they can get the job done. Furlan Mendy will be a question mark. Um, he is a wild card. But I believe Man City have it, have it in them to reach the final. Uh, Pep does very well in finals. Um, and I think they have it within them to reach the finals and possibly go further from there. I mean, sorry, reach the finals and win. So okay. my pick is probably going to be Man City. Wow, so we've got two people who've changed their minds now. One for City, one for Bayern. Hopping over to Kabir, I'm going to assume it's going to be two people for Bayern Munich. 
yeah uh, i think i'm going to stick with my pick uh, it's very hard it's just very hard to look past uh, bayern munich uh, they've already got the taste for silverware they've got the double wrapped up um, they're a very well oiled machine and uh, like i said they will be back to speed back to full speed despite their break after their game against chelsea uh, and yeah it's just um, i i really don't see i'm struggling to see any other outcome than them uh, completing another treble okay there we go and we've got two for buy and one for city and briefly evanira have you changed your mind you sticking with city is it- no so I mean, if you like, he said Pep doesn't lose finals, and these are effectively three to four finals for him because they're all single leg ties. And plus, the United fan in me uh, has just seen Liverpool win the league and Leeds get promoted. So, I mean, it would all point towards one final heartbreak <laughs> with City winning the championship. It's a holy trifecta. It's a holy trifecta. I feel this pain as a United fan as well. <laughs> So yeah, I'm pretty sure it's, it's numbed at this point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so with heavy heart, might as well get done with it. Let them have their first Champions League because honestly, right now they play the best football, and I think they probably will land up winning the winning the Champions. Okay, that was a really good podcast, guys. I hope you guys at home listening have taken a lot of knowledge in. Maybe you agree with us, buying or City. Maybe you do think PSG. Probably not, but you might do. Thanks for coming on, guys. That was a great show. Like great show. Thank you. 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 Th